Hey guys, it's Scott from fxmissions.com. Just a note, I've finished the trilogy of anthologies from the forefront, and all three books are currently available on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your From the Forefront podcast from FX Missions. We're really excited today to have Gret Glyer on with us. Hi, Gret. Hey, Scott. Good to be here. Hey, man. Thanks for thanks for taking some time out. I would imagine that time these days is in short supply for you, at least some days. Am I right? Maybe comparatively, yeah. It, it does seem like it's busier <laughs> than other times. But yeah, sometimes I wonder how busy I am overall when I really sit down and look at it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I get that, man. Well, I have noticed you've been busy in the in the social space out there. I, I saw recently that you uh, were on the TED stage, and I have that queued up to watch. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. Well, you'll enjoy it. It's only a few minutes. You've been out there, man. Yeah. You've, been, you've been on the TED stage. You've been doing your thing. You guys, I mean, I, I, I would do a terrible job. My detail orientation would betray me on getting anything usable out there. So what have you been doing and what, what are you guys up to? I'll just kind of back up a little bit and say I, I spent three years living in Malawi, Africa, which is just a small country in Southeast Africa. And then when I came back, I started an organization called DonorSea. And DonorSea is a way for donors to see where their money goes when they donate. So if you donate to a little girl in India who needs hearing aids as the donor, a few days after you make your donation, you'll get a video of that girl hearing for the first time. And so we do this with all sorts wow. of stuff. It's not just it's not just hearing aids, but we help people see again with glasses uh, or surgeries, and we help people get shelter and things like that. Mm. We've been so DonorSea was launched about a year and a half ago, and uh-huh. recently what we've been doing is raising some funds to really take DonorSea to the next level. And we've had a really successful go at it the last week and a half or so. And yeah, we're just we're chugging along, and it's an exciting time of growth, and a lot of good stuff is happening. So yeah, there's plenty to get into. Man, I'm saying. Well, I, I remember. I mean, I think you and I had some contact. We tried to get on a podcast together a couple of years ago. Schedules, for whatever reason, didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew you from that. I've been observing your the donor C stuff. Of course, I knew you'd lived abroad a little bit. Now, donor C. For those of you who are driving, do not make notes. This will be in the in the podcast notes. But donor C is D O N O. R S E E like donor and C like to see through your eyes. Correct. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Donor C. One word. Now you guys, you guys really took off is what it looked like to me. It looked like you guys were, you were sensing something Mm -hmm. that was needed and, uh, you, you jumped in there. What, what happened? Tell us a little bit about the story about how donor C got, from the drawing board to where it is today. Right. So I was in Malawi for three years. And while I was in Malawi, I was looking into doing, um, I was, I was, I wanted to find a way to communicate 
to people back at home, like my friends and family. I wanted to show them kind of some of the stuff I was seeing on an everyday basis. Malawi, I lived there for three years. And like two of the three years I was there, it was the poorest country on the planet. It's always in the bottom five. And the people there are just very, very, very poor. And it's hard for my friends here in America to really conceptualize and empathize and understand the lives of these people. Um, and so I wanted a way to do that. And so what I started doing when I was in Malawi is I would take, I would have these small little projects. I would say like, Hey, there's this baby, this baby is, is starving, like literally. And if you would like to help save this baby's life, you can donate $50 and we'll save the baby's life. And so people would donate 50 bucks. We would save, we would provide formula milk for the baby and it would get better. And there, and my friends back at home would say, Oh my gosh, like I, I can't believe my money did that for a real human being. It was just unfathomable to them. So that kept happening. Um, so I would, I would do these small little things for my friends to get more involved and everything was getting funded so quickly. And then it became like, okay, well, what else can I fund? What, what bigger stuff can I do? And so I started doing bigger projects, $9,000 projects. And then my last year, I did this $100,000 project to build a, a girls' school there. And it, was, and it was really fun. And thousands of people got involved and donated and, and helped spread the word about that. And so right now, there's this fully sustainable girls' school in rural Malawi that have 120 girls in attendance there. And that was all because of this like crowdfunding mm. stuff I was getting into. Wow. And so I was in, I, I'm not like a big brain brand name charity. I'm just Greg Lyre over in Malawi by myself kind of these <laughs> things. But there was so much excitement because usually when people give to a, a charity of some kind, they don't get a lot of feedback on, on how that money is being spent. Um, sometimes it's mm. difficult to do that. Sometimes charities do need to work on being more transparent. And so on the other hand, they were giving to Greg Lyre through the internet and they were seeing exactly how their money was making, was changing people's lives. And it was just so exciting. And so I thought, well, how can I take this method of storytelling and have it replicated in other parts of the world. So instead of just having Greg Lyre in Malawi, what if there's other people in other parts of the world who could also do the same thing? So if someone wants to fight sex trafficking in Thailand and they want to post projects about that, or if they want to work in the slums of India, or if they want to help in Haiti after a big hurricane, what if there was one platform where, where all of this stuff could happen? And so that was the conception for Donorcy. That was kind of the, the dream. Like what if these connections that were that I, I was making in Malawi, just me and my friends. What if I could replicate that in in a bunch of different places? And um, and yeah, it's one of those things where it came out and people were like, "I can't believe this didn't exist before. That's crazy. I can't believe like there wasn't a, like before donorcy, there wasn't a way to give money to people overseas and see where your money goes. That's insane. But like here we are, two thousand. This was in two thousand sixteen when, when we launched, and now all of a sudden people can do that. And I, th I think it just was like one of these things where it was it was about time that it happened. Wow! So timing and opportunity, all those things came together. Yeah, and a little bit of vision mixed in there. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, isn't that like any idea whose time has come? When you look back, you say, "What kept that?" on hold for so long, yes. you know, mm -hmm. what kept that from, that's when, you know, something has arisen that, you know, was just waiting for the right recipe. And it sounds like you guys got it. You launched in 16, you've done a number of projects. I've, I've seen some of what you've done. 
Tell us about the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's been happening? Well, yeah. So in uh, well, let me a, a few months ago, what, what we really found our sweet spot because we've been put, we've been doing all sorts of different projects, and a few weeks ago we made donorsy a lot more personal by imposing a four hundred and fifty dollar max on our projects. So I we've talked mm. about we talked about in your uh, other podcast, uh-huh. the Leadership Moment podcast, we talked about how people are living on $2 a day. So you, you know, you think you hear, well, what can you do with $400 or $200? Well, if you're making $2 a day, that's quite the injection of funds for you. And and so for these people who are living in other parts of the world, $400, $200, these are ways to vastly improve someone's life. And sometimes that means mm-hmm. providing them with a wheelchair or hearing aids or glasses or school books or even like minor surgeries, things like that, cleft palates, all sorts of stuff. So we made donor seat a lot more personal. When you go to donor seat, you go and you can give to people. And so with that, we were finding that, okay, now we've really found, we've really found the thing that we are, like we found our essence. We're, we're, a platform that connects people to people. And once we found that, we decided, okay, it's time to really amp this thing up. And so in order to do that, we needed to raise some capital. And so I was talking to different folks about the best way to do that. And I came across, actually, someone brought to my attention a a platform called WeFunder. So WeFunder is kind of like Kickstarter, but on Kickstarter... Mm -hmm when you are trying to raise funds, you, you're like an artist and you, you give a CD for the funds. It's, it's a little bit different. But for WeFunder, mm-hmm. if you invest funds through WeFunder, you get an equity stake in the company. So, so we've been running this WeFunder campaign the last week and a half. And I'll tell you what, it has, the response has literally blown me away. I can't tell you how unbelievably surprised I am by how much support we've received already. Wow. Now, let me ask you, how long will your WeFunder campaign be scheduled to run? Well, at the moment, the campaign has a ceiling of $107,000, and we're we're already pretty close to that. I'm not allowed to get into specifics, but <laughs> I mean, this is it was supposed to run for six months, but we're like we're right at the cusp, so it's looking like it's not going to last much longer. We're thinking wow. there's. I'm being advised that it might be a good idea to to raise more than that ceiling, and so I, we're we're looking in, into doing something yeah, like that. But yeah. that's not guaranteed. Yeah. So yeah, there's not much sure. time left. Well, I was going to offer to put preempt my normal schedule and put you at the first of June for the publication, but I think you'll already be yeah. there by then. So <laughs> we're going to be celebrating by the time this podcast is heard. Yeah. Look for celebrations to be out there. Yes. And that's I can see where you might lift that ceiling a little bit. And hopefully you'll send me a link here. I'll go take a look at Definitely. WeFunder because yep. I'd I'd be interested personally yeah. to take a look closer look at that. That's very cool. Now the WeFunder piece is to raise capital for really the construction of systems and processes at Donor C and, you know, the plumbing and all that kind of stuff, the internet plumbing, what what else, what are some of the top things you're targeting to raise money to specifically do? Yeah. So we're basically going to split the money in two. Half of the money will go to what you're talking about, the plumbing, as you called Mm -hmm. it. And that will mostly be, uh, we're really going to focus on mobile website optimization. And the Mm -hmm. reason for that is because the other half of the funding is going to go to discovering a digital marketing strategy. So what that means is you can make these extremely tailored, focused ads using Facebook. You can say, I want to target mm-hmm. this very, very, very specific type of person. And I want to only target them if they visited the DonorSea website before. And if they've considered making it, you know, you can just make it so, so specific and say, I'm only going to target these people. Mm. And so the goal is to say, well, if 
you know, Donor C takes a small percentage for every donation. So the goal would be every time Donor C spends $5 on advertising, we make $10 in return. And that $10, of course, is mm-hmm. being used to help people all over the world. So right. the goal with the digital marketing strategy would be to find a scalable marketing strategy. And and so every time we spend $5, we earn 10 And if we do that, that puts us in a really good position to raise venture capital money from serious investors, investors who would be mm. willing to invest quite a bit more um, once they see some of some of these uh, numbers. Right, right. Well, I, I know what you're talking about, the granularity of Facebook advertising. I've done a little bit of promotion over there. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing too broad or extensive. But I have noticed what you're saying. You can, I mean, you can make it as specific as you want. And yeah. for that reason, the recipe has escaped me. When, when, when you find out, <laughs> I need to I need to talk to you about your your secrets of promotion there at some point. Not the special sauce, but mm-hmm. just yeah, maybe some maybe some hints. So very cool. That that sounds great. Sounds like you're really getting some traction. I noticed some of your updates that says we've raised ten thousand, we've raised twenty thousand, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, we've raised fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. So. I know you're I know you're making uh, a lot of progress. And again, I appreciate your courage, man, stepping out, getting a vision, putting the stuff together. How long was it from the time that you started to conceive the possibility of doing something like Donor C mm-hmm. until you, the time between you did that and when you launched in 16? The simple answer is nine months. I came up for the idea in January of 2016. I was talking to someone mm-hmm. on the phone and just kind of blurted out that like someday I'd like to start the Uber of charities. And um, (laughs) that person was like, well, what does that mean? And I started talking. Like, I don't know where it came from. There was something, it just came out of me. (laughs) And so I got off the phone and I I ran to my computer and I typed down this one page document. I still have that one page document somewhere in Google Drive describing exactly what donorcy is today. And so, yeah, I typed out wow. that document and then I started saying, okay, what are the steps? Uh, like, obviously, this is the most gigantic endeavor to get there. But what if I could get one inch closer, what would that look like? Like, what, what are some of the steps I could take to get a little bit closer to this vision? And I had a lot of people who were very generous with their time and their resources that helped me get off the ground. So conception happened in January and then launch happened in September, almost like exactly nine months later. <laughs> and then ever since then, we've been learning how to do the best with what we've been given. Wow. Well, that's an interesting gestation period. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought about that before, the, the nine-month figure. Yeah, that's a very interesting t- term mm-hmm. in the in the womb there. So that, that is really cool. I just that just occurred to me. Yeah. So now I know you live you're living in the DC area now. You were in Malawi th- for three years. Where where were you raised at, Greg? Yeah, I was raised in in the D.C. area. Uh, I grew up in in it's called Fairfax County, and if you, I think if you look uh-huh. on Wikipedia, it'll tell you it's the second richest county in the entire U.S. So I grew up wow. in, a, in an affluent place. I I went to private schools growing up. I went to a um, my parents paid for my college. Yeah, I, I mean, just all things considered, I had a pretty I'm pretty well off. Or I grew up pretty well off. Yeah. went on nice vacations and stuff like that. So. It was quite you almost yeah. told us where you went to college, but you, you, you don't have to tell us that, but you almost did. I'm a proud graduate of Grove City College, which is in 
northern Pennsylvania. It's a small private ah. Christian school, and I had a great experience there. And, I, and actually, they just invited me back to talk a couple months ago. I, let's see, that was a month ago. I went back and I talked, oh. and it went so well. And I just I loved interacting with the students and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, I appreciate. I know they appreciate your example too, from an alum standpoint. Mm-hmm. You're uh, shaking things up a little bit, and that, that's got to be gratifying for the contribution that they had to put you in a place to do it. So, yes. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Super cool. So I don't know this, Greg, and hopefully you won't, you won't be hurt me asking, but I, I think you're less than 30 or you're close to 30. Am I right? I am 28, and I, I don't Come mind on. you asking. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I feel I'm gratified now that I got pretty close that is good yeah and usually people <laughs> and, and I'll, honestly i'll say thank you because sometimes between my the my looks and my my voice sometimes people think i'm, I'm quite a bit younger than 28 so i <laughs> you did a good job much thank better you than most. thank you yeah yeah well I, I will say this you know i was really young looking when i was 21 or 25 or something like that and let me just say i'm not anymore yeah <laughs> that i'm not that young anymore yeah. i don't look that young anymore and i said you got to celebrate that mm-hmm. for as long as you can the day does come you can always look young for your age but you can't always look young so <laughs> you're doing awesome man enjoy it as oh, long yeah. as you can i'm not complaining at so, all i i just it's just one of those things that comes up quite a bit yeah, um, I'm actually. Yeah. I just got engaged like a month ago, and my fiance. Oh, congratulations! Yep, thank you. And my fiance, she has the same thing. She also like y- looks younger and kind of gets the same thing. So we're yeah, that's cool. <laughs> two peas. Yeah, cool. two peas there. Yeah, gonna you're gonna have a young looking kids uh-huh. downrange as you as <laughs> yeah. the family uh, comes together. Very cool. Well, thanks for giving us a little bit on your background and, and your age. And I want to I want to again emphasize and applaud. I really appreciate your courage. I mean, that first step often in terms of doing something someone's never done before mm-hmm. or there's not a well-worn path for, yeah. that can be the most daunting step you take. Summoning the courage, you know, obviously God mm-hmm. gives us his grace. We we have some courage on board and we find some more wherever we can get it. We're working against the context that is. Yes. And to do something new against the context that is really full, doesn't want anything new. <laughs> that that's uh that takes a lot of courage. Thank you for for taking those steps. Well I'm really fortunate to have had some really great mentors in my life who have encouraged me to do that. And they've been, and I think the it's one of those things where it's it seems like courage or it seems like it seems like boldness. But the the way that I think about it is I think about I always try and reframe things like 20 years down the line. Like I, I went to mm. Malawi, Africa, which, you know, that's a big, scary thing. And I left a, a job yeah. that I was really prosper, prospering at. But I asked myself, if I project myself 20 years into the future, which mm-hmm. will I regret more? Will I regret leaving this job that I'm doing pretty well at and making good money? Or will I regret not going to Malawi and traveling when I go young? I've never met someone. I've never met someone who said, I regret leaving a job when I was 23. I've never met someone who like, who's just like, they're hung up on that, on that thing that happened. But I have met dozens of people who say, I mean, I really regret not traveling when I was younger. And so in some ways it becomes an easier decision. It becomes like, it becomes less courage and more just like logical. Like you're just doing the thing that, that (laughs) seems to make sense. Um, when you look at it on a long enough time scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I have heard that frame the way you're talking about it. The idea there being most people regret stuff that they didn't do, mm-hmm. you know, stepping out 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, versus the courage or the the forward looking approach that that uh, helped you take those steps. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that was that was huge, though. I, I don't want to downplay it either. It was huge going to Malawi. Give us two minutes. Now, this is a daunting request here. <laughs> two minutes. What did you learn in Malawi? You lived there three years. What'd you learn? Uh, I learned many things. I think one of the ones that that comes to mind first is I, I think I have a healthier relationship and a healthier understanding of money. Mm. I think that um, I grew up in a very affluent place, the second you know wealthiest county in the U.S., and then I live in the poorest country on the on the world in the world, and I think I. I have a better perspective on how money affects people in different ways. Sometimes it affects people because they don't have it. And sometimes it affects people because they do have it. Mm. And I think it's been, a. I think that's, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start with that. We can start. I, there's a big discussion here, but I, that's the main thing. The, the relationship that people have with money is very interesting to me. And, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. Well, do you, do you think that I heard an old friend of mine say one time, you don't have to have money to love it. So I, I think hmm. people can have a sense of affection for things that they don't have, even if it's romantic or at a distance. Mm-hmm. And I think that getting our minds, getting our perspective sorted out when it comes to money is very, very important. Mm-hmm. But for most of us in the States, and I think what most of us don't understand just talking about stuff I've onboarded in Africa and other places over the years, we don't understand or have any sense of the contrast of what it's like to be poor in the States versus to be poor in rural Africa. Yeah. And don't you think that, that we don't have that? We don't completely absent. Yeah. It doesn't exist. We spend quite a bit of time talking about a lot of different things in this country and some of them are really worthwhile and some of them are just baffling. Like the, the fact that there are half a billion people living, there's so many things happening in the rest of the world that seem to be largely ignored by our, our community here. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I don't want to come across as like, I'm, I'm being judgmental or or whatever, because the truth Mm -hmm. is that like I had this experience where I lived overseas for three years and that has helped shape how I think about the world. And I probably wouldn't have this perspective unless I had had that experience. And so most people who are, who are, who have never been overseas, or maybe they just went on a quick mission trip or something like that. They just, it's hard Mm -hmm. for them to really truly grasp the reality of the three and a half billion people who live on two dollars a day and so yeah i mean but there's quite a bit of things happening in the world that are it's just it's just insane so like i I think of the amount it's like half a million people die from malaria every year malaria is Mm. a disease that doesn't exist in the u.s and is completely treatable but there's there's five hundred thousand people who are dying every year from it there's six hundred thousand sorry uh six hundred million people who don't have clean water like they just don't they just like get they drink their water from the same place that their animals drink their waters like some stream or some pond or something like that and they their kids you know just like these are realities in the world and but like the other half of the world is like watching the avengers movie you know it's like we, we just it's we're so divorced from all of the things that are happening right i think in a lot of ways we're insulated Yes, we yeah. you know, culturally insulated from having a perspective 
that's broad or in any way comprehensive, yeah. in any way far-reaching. You know, the bad thing about being deluded <laughs> is that you don't realize, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm in a state of delusion. So <laughs> that's true. I, we yeah. can fill up four programs from here. You've inspired me, Grit. But have you ever heard of an author named Ronald J. Sider? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm, I'm holding a book here in my hand. I wish I had the video going. But I've got a book here in my hand that I read some years ago that was super helpful for me when it comes to getting some perspective on this. And this was really after I'd done a little bit of traveling in the world, but Mm. I I continued on. Ronald J. Sider, I'm hoping that's the way you say his name, wrote a book called Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. Mm. I would highly I would recommend this book. That. Yeah, that looks, you, you got to get great. it, man. You got to get it. If I yeah. was across the, if I was in DC, I'd run this over. We could meet and get a coffee, and I'd hand it off to <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it looks fantastic. But, yeah, I gotta check this out. Yeah, rich Christians in an age of hunger. And if you've got any, if you've already got a good set of coals there, this will throw some wood on the fire. In terms of giving perspective, the guy's got some incredible statistics and a lot, yeah. lot, lot of research here. But chapter one is called A Billion Hungry Neighbors. That's mm-hmm. chapter one. So I know you're going to go on to find this. I'm sure it's on Kindle or wherever you get your books. But yeah. the one I'm holding here is uh, the fifth edition. So it's had you know it's a number of updates over the years. Originally, I'm trying to see when it was originally published. This particular copyright is in 97 but I think the original one was actually written before that, like in the Yeah, 70s. I have it in front of me saying 77. Yeah, so this is 20 years after the original. Yeah. He did, was faithful to update this content. So mm-hmm. there, there's a lot to learn about the way things were in 77 and the way things have changed. So and they've I, changed dramatically. There's that's the other thing that's crazy about what's happening right now is there's massive amounts of improvement. The the percentage of the world that didn't have clean water has plummeted from 1977. Right. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Way more people are on the grid. Way more people are, have electricity. So yeah. yeah. And I, I've I've been in those contexts. I mean, the thing that the the singular thing that punctuated my perspective and basically tore down. My defense against this idea was doing a clean water project in rural East Africa and Mm -hmm. seeing people. I arrived on the site. I was watching people come up to this water source and get water and take it back to the house. Just like, you know, when people say when you people hear you say. It's just, you know, people are getting water same place their cattle are getting water. That is somehow we've got some built-in defense sense systems, right? We we've got yeah. these uh, we've got these what do you call it in some Star Star Wars movie or something. We've got these shields <laughs> up, you know, and and that kind of talk gets just automatically deflected. But it's real and we we don't realize that. I remember we were there, we we're staged up and now it's time to begin deconstruction of the water source they're they're drinking from. And I just said, you know what? I'm doing this. So I grabbed my shovel and I jumped in. Yeah. And within two minutes, I can tell you, I had a life change, 
a life-changing experience right there. Mm-hmm. What happened was I became intimately familiar with everything that was in the water source. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I'll, I'll spare people who are it's gross. easily yeah. nauseated, uh, the detail, but it was, you know, in rural environments like this, highly agrarian, everything that's in the field ends up in the water source. Mm-hmm. Anytime it rains, typically these springs and other things that people are getting their water from are at the edge of a field and typically lying a little lower. So whatever's in the field with the cows and the goats and the sheep and the corn and the whatever else is in that water source. Yeah. It, it yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I had a life changing experience there, Gret. I can tell you for sure. And I went on to continue to have a relationship with people I've met there and we've worked together more than 10 years now from that time. So thank God it wasn't just a punctuation on a short term trip that faded in memory. We've continued yeah. to work here and I've seen the, the family that we work with there. I've seen them lose children to, ch- mm-hmm. you know, to water, waterborne disease. And I've seen them lose their health and, you know, and just think but, about what you're saying. The idea of losing a child in 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 America that is the the most horrific thing that can happen to a person. Like yeah. that is everyone's greatest fear, and and that is a sadly that's a common experience for for people who don't have clean water. For sure. Now we we completed that water source, and I was back ten years, maybe it was nine years when I went last time from the time that we protected the water source. I revisited the water source. I was so blessed. I mean, I was brought mm-hmm. to tears as a little girl came down and got water from the source oh, wow. and, yeah. and left out protected, clean water. My friends mm-hmm. over at Hydrating Humanity is who we did that project with. And it was life changing. I highly, highly, highly recommend something like that to everyone because I think it impacted my perspective and then the ongoing relationship. My friends that we work with, they're a local pastor. We just had him in the States and in Mexico for a little tour. He'd never been on a plane before, but he he came to visit us. He was telling me while he was here that his wife gave birth to nine children. Wow. And, and four of them are living. So you say that, yeah. you know, the, the, the worst thing in the world has happened to him five times. Yeah. From malaria, from mm-hmm. waterborne disease, from from, from things that would never everything. happen. Yeah, from things that you and I have no threat of. Like, I, I don't ever have to worry about my water being dirty. I don't ever have to worry about malaria. Even if I, even in, in the crazy chance that a mosquito got on a plane from Africa and flew over to America and bit me and gave me malaria, I'd still be fine. I would go to a hospital and they would, they would pump me full of what's called lar and I would be fine. And so it's just the, yeah, the, the level of disparity is 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 there and i guess i want to i want to emphasize that i i feel strongly about these things i'm very um i get really worked up when i think about them and i (laughs) I feel passionately about trying to get people to understand it Uh but i i know that it's 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 not appropriate to you know come down as super judgmental no i don't i I don't want to come across that way because i i I don't think that that's the way to win people over no and so i yeah and i don't think i I don't think you're doing that gret I mean, I try not to, yeah. but sometimes I definitely do. So well, I have to be careful. Yeah, I, I know what is, uh, and hopefully me too. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel <laughs> very strongly about this stuff. And yeah. I, 
we have an investment in East a- rural East Africa, and we we are a part of the, a family there. And we, you know, we're doing some stuff over a decade here that mm-hmm. has changed our lives, and I think it's also changed the lives of our friends there. And we thank God for it. But you know, Western Union is not the best way. <laughs> Let me just say that for sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, going back to to what you guys are trying to do, you know, it's getting some perspective, and it's hard to reach over, press the button, and turn down the shields that deflect these kinds of comments. And it does. I, I think the subject can be so big for people. People feel so small in the face of two billion hungry or billion hungry neighbors or whatever, people feel small in front of that and they don't feel like they can act. And I think that's one thing that makes me really inspired by what you guys are doing because you're giving people an opportunity to act at the one-on-one level with donor C. And the fact that they're getting a chance to see impact and get that feedback loop, like you say, which is so often missing when you mm-hmm. give into the blind, <laughs> you know, if you call it yeah. that. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> the tell, black hole. Yeah. yeah. Tell us now. I don't know if we talked about that on this or on the on the leadership moment. But tell us a little bit again. Just summarize for us what happens at Donor C when when I go on Donor C and I. I pick something that I feel, hey, I'm feeling this, I feel led or I feel good about doing something on, on in this particular person's case. What happens? Well, okay, so from a donor's perspective, they go to DonorC.com or they download our app or however they want to use DonorC, and they, they show up to the website, and there's a feed of projects that they can search through. The projects are posted by on-the-ground aid workers. So maybe there's someone, like we have, I have you here, here even right in front of me, a guy named Michael Kilar. He works in Thailand, and he helps women who have who have been in the They've formerly been sex workers who are uh, who usually have kids and they want to get out of that industry. They want they want a place to they want a better job. They want a better life. They want to live more in accordance with uh, how God would want them to live. And so they're trying to get away from that. And so there's a bunch of projects about helping these women who are or, or these families who have been in, in this situation or, or the kids of the women. And you can go and you can search through those and give to those. Mm-hmm. Or uh, there's a lady named uh, Amy Hathaway who's in Tanzania and she she works with babies who are on the brink of starvation often the, the mother died in childbirth or perhaps maybe even was abandoned sadly that doesn't happen as often as the childbirth death but the baby's on the brink of starvation and needs formula milk and so she provides formula milk and that's like formula milk seems like the most mundane thing that you could buy like it's it's at the bottom shelf of some grocery store somewhere and it seems like just it's like this it's just not it doesn't seem like a big deal but the truth is formula milk like transforms a person's life forever so if they don't have it then they have all sorts of developmental problems as they're growing up like that those early stages those early few months of those kids lives they are very a lot of development is happening in that in those moments and a lot of stunting can happen if they don't get formula milk in those early moments and so 
providing that for these kids is literally, you're like changing the next several decades of their lives just by this small little donation. Anyway, so Amy Hathaway is another person posting projects. And so there's just a feed of different people, different aid workers posting projects. And they're, they all have their own personality. They all have their own types of projects that they're working on. And you can follow them and, and you can get notifications whenever they post a project. And yeah, that's the general idea. I mean, you, you just go on there and you search through all of the different possibilities and you give to people who are in need and you give to real people. I mean, you're really, really helping the money, the $25 that you're sending with your credit card virtually online is turning into some kind of thing over on the other side of the world that's actually helping a real person that they're going to get it in their hands and it's going to change their life. So Mm -hmm. it's a powerful thing. Wow. Absolutely. And, you know, giving into the blind and and all of the sort of you guys have erased the distance from one end to the other. Yeah. Certainly in visibility, but also in a lot of compression, too, in terms of administrative toll and all those kind of things that often gets imposed upon uh, charity or, or giving or whatever. The administrative toll, you know, is scary in some in some cases. But what you guys have done is you've kind of with the virtualization of the world we're in, you've brought those points really close together, mm-hmm. both in visibility and in impact. Yeah. And I can say personally, I have been involved in this kind of effort for, for a long time. And I remember somebody sitting me down and saying, you cannot imagine mm-hmm. the kind of impact that you're something small to you did because the purchasing power of the dollar against foreign currencies can be mind numbing mm-hmm. the kind of impact you can have, which also escapes us just in our in our lack of, you know, lack of awareness, I guess. Now, I could keep going, Greg, but we're running out of road here. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming. I'd probably I could talk in so much more detail about my own personal experience. And I know you've had a bunch of experiences that have brought you to this place. Really appreciate you getting on here with us, and I think it will be meaningful. If someone wants, to, again, to reach out to you or to find out more about what you're doing, of course, we want them to go to DonorC.com, I believe it is. Is yeah, that right? That's it. Mm-hmm. And we want them to check out the stories there. We want them to find out what they can do, maybe to get involved. If they want to know more about you or maybe somebody wants to reach out to you to have you speak to their group or, or something like that, where do we send them? If they're interested in specifically like having me on the podcast or um, doing a speaking engagement, you can email admin at donorc.com. If you okay. just want to reach out to me and ask me a quick question, then just find me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or one of those platforms. And it should be pretty okay. easy to whatever, whatever you prefer. I'm, I'm active on all of it. So Right. And Gret Glier yeah. is G-R-E-T-G-L-Y-E-R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how do we get a, a look at that? TED stage video, Gret. How are we going to do that? Okay, yeah. I would say the best way to do it is to type in Gret Liar TEDx into YouTube, and you'll find it there. And I can send you a link if you want to include it in the notes. Okay. I would love to include that in the notes if you will send me the link. Once again, Gret, thank you so much for being here. Let's do get together on a future show because we've got more energy than we have time. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I think it's going to be impactful. And, Lord, we ask you to open the eyes of people to see things how they are not how they appear, and help us to not only see them, but take them to heart and act as a result. Mm-hmm. Brett, thank you so much. Blessings to you, man. Look forward to catching you downrange. And hey, man, 
I need to get that de- those details on becoming uh yeah. Getting in on that we we uh yeah, mention, we funder. Yeah, let me mention the the link real quick. It's wefunder.com slash donorcy. And so we'll see what how much is left of it. But yeah, I, I got I even got an, an investment, a little notification while we were doing this podcast. So it's going fast. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. I'm gonna check it out here shortly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grant. Really appreciate it, man. Blessings to you. Thanks right. to you for your efforts okay. and your life. Sounds good. Thank you. Take care. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Mission Show bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast from the forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. Quite a bit of content out there. We hope you enjoy it. Also, If you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured on From the Forefront because of their Forefront missions experience or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.